0: Hello and welcome to this week's Celluloid Lloyd Codswallop. And on this week's episode, I have someone who has many, many hats. They wear many, many hats. Not just you know, we're not talking just you know directing. We're not talking just you know producing. We're talking cinematography, many, many, many other talents, but I'm probably ruining it because I'm giving a bit too much information away already. I have the one and only Brian Parchin on as my guest today. Brian, how are you doing? Doing good, man. How are you? I am doing very well. I am I am happier than I was earlier because I'm getting to talk to you, sir, and learn all about you and what you do. So... Turn a little bit so,
1: red. That's so flattering.
0: <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> hey, no, dude. What I will say is you give me – the other thing is, dude, serious beard envy. That is a proper – my beard is like next to nothing. <laughs> that. For those who are not – who are only hearing this as audio, Brian has a proper manly impressive beard. It's Thank like you. proper – it's proper lumberjack style. I'm impressed, very impressed. You've only had grow a beard as good as that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's
1: funny is this actually, uh, I, I had it down to my chest, uh, about Whoa. six weeks ago and I trimmed it. I watched, well, I, mm-hmm. I, I tried to trim it and I, it, it just something went, it, what I was afraid of, something went wrong and it looked awful. It was just so bad. And I had to just take it back down to a uh, quarter inch or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, it was heartbreaking. It was it was so heartbreaking. So this this is actually in the growth process. Um, I actually have a picture. I was so proud of that beard. I'd always wanted to grow a, like a biker beard, and I did. And let me tell you something yeah. though, man. What you never anticipate yeah, yeah. about it is all the mm-hmm. food that you get in it. You can't eat <laughs> anything. Like popcorn s- soup is the worst. Like super yeah. cereal. You're you're wearing it. But there's something about getting a beard that length. It uh, you have to wear it. And this is kind of cropped, but you can kind of see.
0: Oh, dude, yes it was really yes it was really that, down there that is that is something to behold that's like you're into like zz top territory i am liking that yeah thanks man one, <laughs> one day i'm gonna gr- i will have to at one point i mean the longest i've had it is probably about like sort of there but it's yeah and then I you just up, gotta do it man yeah now now's the time just
1: to just decide today yeah just like today <laughs> i'm stopping shaving you know and you got to you know, it's 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 tough because you go through kind of this this in between period where it's trying to decide to be long, but it still wants to be short. Mm-hmm. And it you almost want to believe that it's a sentient thing on your face and it just <laughs> looks bad and you just have to look bad for a while. You know, and that's and that's that's the price you pay for a good beard, man. Like I mm-hmm. I, I joke a lot about it. I um I tell people the one thing I'm arrogant about is my beard and I'm not mm-hmm. arrogant about it. But I get an unusual amount of compliments on my beard. And in the most strange places, I've had a Mormon missionary compliment my beard on my front porch. I've been in the (laughs) – I I have no joke been in the ER laying in a bed (laughs) there for cardiac stuff Nurses like – you have a really nice beard. I'm like, well, thank you. <laughs> you know, I, I was at the eye doctor in October and, and literally mm-hmm. one of the employees from the, so it was one of those, um, they had the, the eye testing center and then they had the store where You could buy the glasses. One of the employees came from the eye testing center all the way into the store. Cause I went out to my car to get my old glasses, came back, should come from the other side of the store just to say something about my beard. Yeah. I, it's just like, so I joke with people that I'm arrogant about it, but I'm really not. But it's it's cool. I mean, it's really neat to hear that people like it. So I appreciate you
0: making mention of it. Okay. <laughs> I'll just say for the for the uh, uh, our salty tadpoles, which is the nickname for our listeners, you never thought you'd be listening to stuff talk about beards, did you? So, yeah, people for people who don't get it. Beards are really cool. They're great. And uh, yeah, run with it. If you can grow a beard. Do it. So, yeah. We've got off topic, but I've loved it because we've had a brilliant discussion and open. So, Brian, I want to know more about you. Tell us yeah. about yourself. Give us your backstory. Cause you're from, is it originally Nashville. I'm originally from Nashville, yeah, Tennessee. Yeah. yeah. Tell us about. I want to know the background. I want to know what is the Brian Parkson story.
1: Wow, man, that's uh, woo, that's 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 uh, that's a. Well, uh, I was I'm an '80s baby. Um, I I grew up, um, in the '90s which was a fantastic time to grow up you know, playing outside had, you know, toy commercials on TV, Saturday morning cartoons. Um, nineties was a great time. And now that I'm getting so much closer to 40, you know, I, I, uh, I've kind of hit that nostalgia phase and I, and I'm really pining to go back to the 1990s, but you
0: know, we can't, I, I'm already there. I hate 40 this year. It's-,
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's weird, man. Like I, yeah. you know, you tell people that are past 40, that's like, Oh, I'm close to 40. Like who gives a crap? You know? And it's like, You don't understand that this has always been 15 years away, 20 years away, 30 years away. Now it's three years away. And it's like, wow, where's where's the time? I was just in high school yesterday.
0: You know, now like, uh, yeah, I know. exactly what you mean, it's weird because in my head, I'm still in my 20s or younger. And I'm like, wait a minute. How did this happen?
1: but your body, your body tells you you're in your forties or your late thirties. That's what happens. You're like, I'm still 20. Your body's like, "Uh uh-uh, no, sir. You're, 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 you're 36 buddy. I'm going to remind you. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, man. So I'm a nineties kid, you know, I, I grew up, um, I'm a really big fan of horror. Uh, I, I saw, um, and bless my mother. I love my mom so much. She, uh, I joke with her. I'm like, you know, I can't believe you let me watch these movies when I was a kid. I, I don't, I don't know, but it, it, it's, it's a part of who I am today for the better. And I love mm-hmm. my mom so much for it. Um, I remember, I have vague memories of watching the lost boys back in the eighties. I have vague memories of the howling back in the eighties. Um, but the one movie that really sticks out to me, like if somebody said, like, what's the first horror film you've seen? Mm-hmm. This is the first one. But it's the first one I really remember seeing it was night of living dead, the 1968 version. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that had a lifelong, so far, lifelong impact on me. Um, I, I fell in love with the zombie genre. I, I fell in love with horror movies from that point on. And uh, and then I remember in like 91 or 92, I got to see the, the 1990 version that Tom Savini did. Yeah. And that further cemented my love for horror films. And – What's funny is, you know, through, through the years, I mean, I loved zombie movies, but I didn't really know who George Romero was. And I didn't really know who Tom Savini was. I I, I didn't really know anything about that kind of um, – I'm going to call it the zombie mafia because, you know, if, if you look at it, like, everything in the zombie universe is is tied to George Romero and this family that it built. You know, Greg Nicotero was trained under Tom Savini, um, you know, and, and now KMBFX does The Walking Dead. So, like, everything really kind of goes back to, to Romero in a lot of ways. Um, but when I was a, a, a young man of uh, 12 – I discovered that Dawn of the Dead existed and I, and I went on this adventure to get to see this film and, and that movie changed my life and mm. it's George Romero and that movie. There are, there are a number of things that have led to me pursuing filmmaking today, but that George Romero and that movie in particular uh, play a big part of that. And and I actually had the the privilege. I got to interview Scott Reiniger a month ago and he was such an, he's such a nice guy and I, I can't tell you, how amazing it is to have gotten to talk to a man that was a star of this movie. That's been my favorite film for 23 years and get to tell him the story of seeing it and getting to tell him how much that movie changed my life. There's, there's no amount of money on earth that can give you that, that, that privilege. And I consider it an honor and a privilege and he was very humble about it. He was very, he was almost taken aback. You know, he uh, he's, he's always really surprised at, how many people love these films and so many of them to today weren't even alive when the movie came out, you know, and he's, he's just really, he's really taken it back in a, in a good way. I don't mean that in a negative way. He's, he's really taken it back in a good way by the horror community and, and, how passionate they are about these films and, and what they've, what they've done. So, um, I, uh, you know, so yeah, man, normal, you know, I, 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 had, a, I had an interesting childhood. I lost my dad when I was a kid, but, um, made through that with through school. Uh, I actually started pursuing, um, Interestingly enough, IT was the career I chose. Um, I, I my story is gonna be a little bit different than most from a from a filmmaking standpoint because you know so many directors you know they were playing with cameras and editing on camera and that wasn't my story. I, I played with the camcorder a few times and I really I enjoyed it the times I did and I thought wow this is so much fun man like I wonder if I can you know do this camera trick or that camera trick and but it was it wasn't and I don't for whatever reason it never translated to me mentally to pursue that as a career, you know, that was something that Steven Spielberg did, you know, so it's, I I just never pursued it. Um, I took a a graphic design class in college and I didn't feel like I fit in. So I didn't pursue it. So I, I pursued it. Um, but once I hit my mid thirties, I don't know how to explain it to you. And, and, and those, those of you out there who are my age can probably relate to what I'm saying. There was like some kind of switch flipped and I realized, man, I'm not happy doing what I'm doing and I want to be something different. And, uh, I just didn't know what it was. And one of the things I'd always wanted to pursue was um, a podcast, but I just didn't have an idea. Well, uh, I would say the biggest reason I'm a filmmaker today is uh, a man named John Bloom. And most of, you know, John Bloom as, as Joe Bob Briggs. That's the character he created. John, John is a writer. So, you know, Joe Bob was this character created to, to do all the exploitation driving film reviews he did back in the eighties when he wrote for the, uh, uh the paper in Texas. So, I randomly ran across a clip of monster vision on YouTube and I had completely forgotten about monster vision and man, that went right into this nostalgia thing I'm in right now. And I, so I just started watching all these clips. Well, John is on cameo and I thought, wow, that's awesome. So let me send him some messages. So, you know, I paid the little, the 299 99 and I sent him a, a, a message and he was very kind. He replied and answered my questions. And I said, I, we kind of, we went back and forth a couple of times and I found myself wanting to find out who he was as a person. And it dawned on me, that's my podcast right there. What if I interview actors, authors and directors in horror, but instead of focusing totally on their careers, what if I also focus on who they are as people? Because you just never see that, man. You never find out who are, who are they? Man, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? You know? Who's your hero? What what's your, you know. So we, I was like that's what I want to do. So I bounced that idea off of uh, Brian Keane, who's who's a horror author, and he really liked it, and he encouraged me to pursue it. And he got me in touch with a, a man named Matt Will Dawson. Um, Matt and I just became really good friends in, of all this. I mean, that's that's been one of the most amazing things about this journey is, is just becoming the, the friendships that I built with people that had I not pursued filmmaking, I would have never met. And they're just such lovely people. Um, and Matt helped me to – because, you know, my question is like, how do I do this? What do I need to do it? You know, like what? And so he helped answer all those questions for me. And I got my kit built together. And, you know, as you can see, I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm I'm podcasting now. But and, and I started this podcast, man. The first guy I had on was a, a filmmaker named Harrison Smith. Super nice guy. He's Incredible. This guy's brilliant. I thought I knew and liked movies until I talked to him. And I realized, like, I don't know anything about film compared to this guy. I mean, he was mentioning directors and films I had never heard of. And I I was in so in awe of what this man knows about movies and uh, his perspectives on things. And he, he was, he was such a good guest. Um, And then I had Hilton Ariel Ruiz on as my next episode and fell in love with that guy. And he, he and I've become friends. He's just a wonderful guy, a wonderful filmmaker. We actually spent the vast majority of the episode talking about a short film he did in the nineties while he was in film school, which was interesting. It just was such a powerful film. He, he, expressed so much in six minutes i was just i was really taken aback at some point in those two conversations with those two people i realized this is what i want to do i want to be a filmmaker i don't know how to do it i don't I, i just don't know now in in october i had started my production company dawn journey productions um as an umbrella to
0: do the podcast under um yeah, because I was going to ask you, this has been great to me so far, Brian, because yeah. like, I, I I have a take list of stuff and you're literally <laughs> answering it for me but I might be able <laughs> to speak. So for some of the salty tadpoles, they must, this must be heaven for them, because they're going, we're have to listen to James, we're listening to his wonderful guest. So, but I was going to ask for the genesis of, Dawn yeah. of the Journey Productions. Uh, yeah. But what I also was going to interject wh- when you were talking about the the outreach thing, of actually going to speak to people and learn from people who have worked in the industry, I literally can relate to you so much yeah, on that man. level, because yeah. there are people I've spoken through through doing this who worked on the on James Bond films, who which some of my favourite films have been like, holy crap, you know, people I never ever thought I'd get to talk to. Yeah. So I know exactly what you mean. And it was the same thing, Um, I've not had them on as a guest, but it's the same thing when I've had communication with uh, Reggie and Gigi Bannister, who are involved with the Phantasm film series, which I'm a huge fan of. I was like, wow, you know, it's, the, it's like you said, it's almost like the pinching yourself moment, because yeah. these are films that have been huge parts of my youth and childhood. Yeah, um,
1: L- let me, let me, yeah. let me, let me touch on that if you don't mind. Um, I, cause I, I think that's that's a, a very worthy topic to discuss. You know, we get really caught up, and and, and I'm I, guys at the end of the day, I'm still a fan. Okay, like I, that's not left me. I, I I've started to talk to people now, sh- semi regularly. That it feels a little bit different, but I still geek out sometimes. You know. And, and when you're in the industry, you have to check that. Like you can't, you can't come at people like, you know, Oh, I'm a big fan. Like you have, you have to, you have to come at him as a filmmaker, yes. you know? Yes. Um, but I, but I'm still a fan that's not left me. Um, but one of the perspectives I've gained in doing the podcast and in pursuing this is I've also learned to look at, and I think this just comes with getting older. You, you, you start to look at the, the older generation mm-hmm. and, you really start to see and glean the value that their life perspective brings their life experience brings. And I've really found myself wanting to soak up as much of that as I can. And you mentioned the James Bond films. Mm -hmm. I have a friend, a guy named uh, James Bond, the third, his, he goes by Jim. Jim actually is the man that wrote, directed and produced death by temptation. Um, and I, I'm behind on the last drive in right now. I'm sorry, Joe Bob. Um, and I had no idea. And I randomly saw on Facebook the other day that his movie was playing on the last drive in. And I flipped out. I was raving about it on my Facebook. I was texting him I'm like, Jim, your movie's on the last drive in. And, and I was like, I know, man, I know. And I'm like, he is, he talked, talking to him. Uh, I got, I, I met him. Well, I haven't met him in person, but I, but I connected with him through a mutual friend. We have that man ha, is so wise. And in and, and the 40 years he's been in the industry, he's, Gained so much perspective. He was so kind to just sit and talk with me and pass that on to me. And one of the, one of the things that I really took away from the the longest conversation we had, he talked about the power that you wield as a filmmaker. He said, movies and entertainment are not empty things, you know, film, TV, but film in particular, you have the power to change people. Yeah. Like you can make something so effective that it can change people's faith. It could change their political views. It could change their opinions. And that's a powerful thing to wield. And he really – I don't i don't—I don't know if it was a caution as much as it was a heads up. Just know that you have the power to change the world of what you're doing. Don't take that for granted. Don't take that totally. lightly. Totally. And in the two hours I got to talk to him on the phone that night, man, it, it completely – it was just a life-changing conversation. And he – I had so much respect and gratitude for him and I still do. And, I, and I'm very privileged and honored to call that man a friend. He's just a really good guy and he's incredibly busy. A lot of these people are still very, very busy, you know, so to mm-hmm. even get a minute of his time is a big deal, but I've been so fortunate to get to talk to these people like, you know, interviewing Scott Reininger, um, interviewing Harrison, interviewing Hilton, uh, interviewing Jason Horton, you know, and like I, I believe that no matter where someone is at in their filmmaking journey, whether they're a forty year veteran or they've been doing it for a week, there is something you can learn and gain from every single person because all of them have a unique perspective and all of them have a unique experience. You know, it's possible that the guy who's been making films for one week has run into an issue that you've never seen before. And then on your next production, you're going to run into that same issue. And you're going to remember, oh, hey, I talked to so-and-so, and this is how I fixed that. You know, and it might have saved you a week of work, you know. Um, so I think there's something to gain from everyone's perspective. but. It's been a real honor and a real privilege to sit at the feet of these people that have been doing this for 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years and hear what they have to say. And I I find it so fascinating. I have sort of an obsession with the 70s and the 80s and and film. Just getting to work with actual film and work with those, you know, $20,000, you know, Panaflex cameras. And um, I just have such an admiration and respect because like when you make a movie. Today it's expensive. I mean, even, mm-hmm. even a no budget film has a budget. You just, you know, unless you just have equipment given to you, it's gonna cost you money. Um, I can't imagine adding on to that the stress of having a finite amount of film. You know, today you're at the mercy of of your memory card. But back then, man, you know, you're spending three hundred bucks for, you know, X number of feet of film. so, I mean, like when you, when you, you know, you talk about your shooting ratios, you know, you're shooting three to one, you're shooting three to one period. Like you've budgeted, you got three takes and you got to get it right in three takes for that one scene. And then you got to move on. You know, I can't imagine the level, the amount of pressure that added to filmmaking. Um, and I guess that's all you knew it was just part of it, but I just have such an admiration and respect for those guys. Um, those men and women that did this, Time's past. There's just so much to glean and gain from them. And I'm I'm really hoping more of them are gonna start writing books. You know, it when 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 you when you venture out into filmmaking, the first thing you wanna do is learn. And you know, there's tons of YouTube videos, but I, I have found that there's just not enough books. And the books that there there are tons of books out there, but they're outdated. You know, I mean, even books from like twenty seventeen. There's still some good general information in them, but they're not necessarily you know, distribution has changed. the 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 distribution model of five years ago is not viable anymore. You know, most you know, there's still a lot of people out there who have the perspective like, okay, I'm going to make a movie, I'm going to go find a distributor. No, that's not really the right way to do it anymore. You know, you want to get on the streaming platforms. You want to get on Film Hub. You, you know, you want to you want to get on the the um, ad-based video-on-demand platforms. Like, that's that's the new model. And there's a lot of people holding on to the old-school model. And there's still a place for it, but that's not really what you want to pursue first. So there needs to be more updated content. And I think the people that need to be writing those books are the people that have been doing this, you know, for for
0: 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years. So what what I would... I would just think about something you said earlier, Brian, that I thought was interesting. You were saying that initially, obviously, your career trajectory, you sort of trained for IT, and that's obviously what you looked at doing. So you had... And you are right. Happens. I mean, you, you're younger than me, a few years younger than me, but it happens to a lot of people, certainly within our age brackets, where mm-hmm. they decide they want to make a change. They're not happy yeah. with what they're doing. So what is it, do you think that made you, you flip to think, right, that's definitely what, what, what I want to do for filmmaking? Is it that you looked at it and thought, well, I only have a finite amount of time? Because, you know, you get to an age, you're thinking life is not going to, it's not just all highway now. I have to make a decision on what I'm going to do with myself. Yeah.
1: uh, You know, I think it's a number of things, man. And I I think I I, I gain a a deeper understanding of it the longer I do it. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm still fairly new at it. Uh, I think initially it just, I really wasn't all of what they do. And I really liked the idea of being able to call myself a filmmaker. And I really liked the idea of being able to make a movie. I think what really was the game changer Mm. for me, the reason, the reason I credit Joe Bob a lot, um, Mm. I started my podcast because of that conversation I had with him. I ultimately decided to become a filmmaker because of a monologue he did. It's called Keep Rolling. Uh, You can find it on YouTube. It's five minutes and forty-seven seconds long, and it changed my life. And it's the perspective I have on being a filmmaker today. It's my attitude towards filmmaking today. Um, you know, because up until that moment, I was like, okay, I'm an aspiring filmmaker, right? You know, I've not done it yet. I'm an aspiring filmmaker. And he said one thing in there that just completely changed the game for me. He said, he basically said, I I can't. I'm not gonna repeat it it, because he used a a curse word, but he basically said, aspiring doesn't exist. He said, f aspiring. He said, you're a filmmaker. He said, I don't, if you have 10 minutes a day to work on your screenplay, you work on your screenplay 10 minutes a day. He said, you're not an auto mechanic. You're not a doctor. You're not, you're a director. You're a screenwriter. You're a filmmaker. That's how you need to start thinking. And I was like, okay, done. You know? And, and I immediately said, I'm a filmmaker. Bam. That's what I'm going to do. And, and, and I hit the ground running. And, and so much has happened in a short period of time that my memory still a little fuzzy on the, the, the order of events. I can't remember if I had started my screenplay or not yet, but. That's when I got really serious about it and I really started pursuing it. And and, and the movie I'm working on right now, Blood Repittance, it started out as a two-minute challenge from a friend. You know, because I started I started Dawn Journey Productions as, as the umbrella to do things under. Um, then when I decided to become a filmmaker, I I I I am like, okay, well, now I'm really gonna do something with this production company, you know. So that's so then I really started putting everything under that umbrella. Um and it 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 So it kind of started out there, and as the project evolved, I started to realize that I have a purpose in this industry. One of the prevailing messages you hear – and everybody, please forgive me. I have a cough drop in my mouth. I'm I'm kind of coming down with a cold, I think, so I apologize if the audio is kind of crazy. Um, One of the prevailing messages you hear when you pursue acting, screenwriting, filmmaking is how hard it is to break into the industry. And I couldn't tell you why exactly I'm so gung-ho about this, but I really have a problem with that message. I don't like it, and I want to change that. And you hear people talk about being the change, and I know some great people out there who are working to be the change. I also want to be the change. So my goal with Dawn Journey Productions, I want to make movies. You know, and I'll touch on that here in a second on why I want to mm-hmm. make movies, what's so amazing about it. But my bigger goal, if I never made another film the rest of my life, the one thing I want to do before I die is I want to create a company that if a person coming up decides they want to be a filmmaker, I want the first thing that come to come in their mind, I'm going to call Don Journey Productions. They're going to call me. I'm going to say, OK, well, here are my company's values. Here's what we believe. If you're if you're willing to you know let your your project fit within these values, we're going to make your movie. We're gonna. We have studio space. We have cameras. We'll sit down and we'll go over your script with you. You know, we'll help iron that out. We're gonna assign you a veteran director mentor who's gonna be available to you, email, phone. He's gonna be on set with you as your AD. We're gonna walk you through the entire filmmaking process. Filmmaking is accessible now. I want to make it more accessible, and I want to make it. I want and I want to give people the ability to make a good movie. You know, that that's something that people can be proud of, and in hopes that they're gonna pass that along one day. And we're gonna walk you from A to Z, how to make a film, and we're gonna make your movie. I want I want filmmaking to be accessible to everyone, and I would love for them to be able to even be able to make money at the beginning. I don't yet quite know how I'm gonna pull it off. Uh, you know, we're, we're gaining momentum, and you know, I'm doing a lot of networking, and I'm pretty active on social media. Um, I don't yet know how I'm gonna pull that off, but I'm trying. And every time I get to talk to somebody about filmmaking, and I see their face light up. That's that's what it's about. You know, we're I personally I believe we are put on this earth to serve other people and our ultimate mission of life is to love. That's what life is all about. It's loving and encouraging other people. And there's so many people out there. I one of the things I'm really big on. There's so many people out there today who are hurting and who don't have anyone, who feel like they don't have anyone. Mm-hmm. They feel alone. They feel like their life has no meaning and that the world would be a better place without them. And I'm trying to tell people no, that's that's yeah. actually the complete opposite. I'm glad you're here. I love you and I want to give you a big hug and I want you to know that life matters and that the world is blessed to have you here. The world is a better place. You know, so man, my legacy, I want to bless people, I want to love people, and I want to see people grow and and thrive. And you know, the people that my my team that I have in my company, I, I'm surrounded by these wonderful people who believe in what I'm doing and have just said, I'm oh, in. You know and it's like I don't care if we're not getting paid I'm in and they're they're giving their time and and that's a gift I can never repay you know if, if we if we became a multi-billion dollar company and I made these people billionaires it'll never repay them for the time they've given me and 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 the the honor and the privilege is to have had these people look at me and say I believe in what you're doing and I want to I want to stand next to you you know and I hope that I can make them all billionaires one day that every one of them deserves it but I'm not in this to get rich man I'm I'm in this because personally I want to be happy and I want to inspire people and to all all the the, the the future I'm not going to call you aspiring to all the future filmmakers out there here's what I want to say to you there's no time like the present to make a movie and you know at the end of the show I'll give out I'll give out my Facebook I'll, I'll give out ways to get a hold of me if you want to make a movie you reach out to me and I'll be happy to answer your questions I'll tell you what you need to do I'll be happy to help as much as I can um The time is now to make your film. You are a filmmaker, and I can't begin. And here's what I want to do to really motivate you. I one, I want you to go out and watch that Joe Bob, and 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 James, you watch it too, man. I I want you to watch that Joe Bob monologue. I'll send you a link to it. It'll change your life. But when you spend months, and I mean months, planning, writing, coordinating you know staffing you know finding people that that are that believe in what you're doing that want to be a part of this project you spend months and months and months of you know it, there's ups and downs man things go wrong you get frustrated you get when you spend all these months planning that first day on set i cannot begin to tell you how magical it feels it's literally magic you're you're in a location you're surrounded by actors you're surrounded mm-hmm. by crew. You have your camera right there. And I mean, I'm getting goosebumps even thinking, you know, if I feel the you know, tingling going on in my neck, cause like, it almost makes me cry. Cause it's a, it's a, yeah, it's, yeah. a it's magic. And like, I kept saying to Scott, my business partner, one of my business partners, I can saying to Scott, my like, Scott, we're making a movie. And it's like, and I'm looking back on all, all of these months of preparation and how difficult it was. And here we are making a film. And I, I just can't, I wish I could reach out and touch people yeah. and let them feel that, that, that feeling. It's, it's, it's literally magic. And I, I want to spend the rest of my life doing that. I mean, it's the coolest thing in the world. And like just, and, and, and it's, it's so much fun to you because like you really build these, these, you, these people become your family and you have all these wonderful inside jokes that start and you're laughing and you're cutting up and you're being, you know, you're being serious at the same time. And it's just so cool, man, to, to write, on something on paper and then to bring it to life, to stand behind the camera and, you know, and frame it, you know, frame up your shots. And you're like, okay, I like the way that looks. And, mm-hmm. and then you you say action and you start watching people. And I have been so incredibly blessed and fortunate in this journey. Um, I, I've been given opportunities that, that not everybody gets. And I, and I don't ever want to take that for granted. Um, you know, two weeks ago, you know, i talk about monster vision. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a very dear friend of mine, uh, is, is honey, Michelle Gregory. Um, she's, I, I, I love that woman. She is one of the kindest, nicest, smartest, wonderful people you'll ever meet. She's just brilliant. She's a wonderful human being. And I'm so privileged to have her as a friend. And she came, she came to Tennessee to be in my movie. I literally spent an evening with, with honey, Michelle Gregory Mm. in my film. And I'm just like, and I told her this and I mean this, um, the rest of my career, I don't care who I direct in a movie. It could be Tom Cruise. You know, you pick anybody out there. Like none of it, whatever top getting to direct honey, Michelle Gregory in my yeah. film, that will always be my favorite movie making moment is, is getting to make a movie with her. Um, you know, she's, she's awesome. and She's awesome to work with. Um, just there's, there's no, I, I there's, there's no amount of money that can, that can, Give you those feelings, man. You know, yeah. like if you make a multimillionaire, because here's the thing, here's what I've noticed. Like there are directors mm-hmm. out there that they, they they do well. I mean, Steven Spielberg is multimillionaire. They're all these multimillionaire directors. That's not why they do what they do. You know, there was an Italian director, and I wish I could remember his name. Um, but there were there was literally he passed away recently, but there was an Italian director. This guy loved making movies so much. He loved being on set so much. He literally had separate identities. And instead of taking breaks between movies, I'm not kidding. Instead <laughs> of taking breaks between movies, he actually changed his identity and went and did cinematography on a set and then directed another movie and then went and did cinematography for another movie. And then and he just changed his identities, man. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I'm going to ask you this question because you just hit on a question that I'm desperate to ask you. Yeah, please. The multiple hats. I mean, I alluded to it at the start, actor, director, producer, cinematographer, how the hell do you pull all this stuff together and keep going? How do you keep the energy levels up? I'm intrigued. It's a question I've asked a few people oh, on, on, their, on their respective careers, how they keep the energy going. But you, for all those hats, because uh, I also want to get into discussing the films that you, you're involved yeah. with. Yeah, uh, please. But how do you do it, dude? How do you keep all those hats on? I can barely keep one hat going sometimes. <laughs> so how on earth do you do that?
1: It's, it's tough at times. I uh... – and thank you for and nobody's ever asked me that. I, I really appreciate you asking that. I uh, it's difficult at times. I, I won't lie. I mean, there 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 was a week recently where I basically literally had no free time. Um, I, I worked my day job. I got off and I was working on movie stuff. You know, I was I was in meetings with, you know, uh, script we're optioning. I was you know, I, I don't remember what all I did that week. But I mean, I literally I, it, it, it it was it was difficult. And what's interesting is I'm. My my podcast has gotten so busy. I'm actually booked up through September right now. My my podcast has gotten so busy. The the, the film thing has got like I I naturally am very aversive to uh, I think it's a word aversive. I'm going to I'm going to say it's a word. We're
0: just going to go well, with it. Well, Roman, if it's not you created it. Webster <laughs> stamp that sucker. It's Brian Parkinson's creation, no one else's. I'm very aversive, quote
1: unquote, to uh to schedules. <laughs> so believe it or not, having to live on a calendar depresses me. Um, I'm a very spontaneous, you know, let me just call you. And, and here's, a, here's an interesting mystery of life to the younger mm-hmm. people out there. Yeah, yeah, The older you get, I saw, a, I saw a joke about this. I never really thought about it, but it's very, it's actually very true. The older you get, the more you look at your calendar when you want to hang out with your friends. Because now when I text somebody, I'm like, Hey, do you want to do something? They're like, yeah, let me check my calendar. And you know, and they have to look like, am I doing something with my family that week? Am I, you know, it's, am I going to be at work that day? And it's the same with filmmaking. I mean, it takes a lot of your time. Um, you know, I would say the ultimate. I think there are a couple things that really drive me. Mm-hmm. Number one, I'm I, I'm very I'm very much an extrovert. I, I thrive mm-hmm. on people. I love people. I love talking to people. I love building relationships. The networking part of film is my favorite thing. Uh, I, I've actually considered maybe starting a talent agency because I love I love advocating for people, and that's something I get to do in IT. You know, when mm-hmm. when my clients are having problems, I I, I have to be their advocate. Uh, when I get other other companies involved. I love seeing other people succeed. Um, and I, I I I just, I want everybody to experience this magic. So I love, I'm just, I'm an extrovert. So I'm, I'm energized by people. So that helps. Um, number two is I'm passionate about what I'm doing. I, I feel privileged. It actually really genuinely feels like an honor and a privilege. And I know I say that a lot, but I mean it to call myself a filmmaker to hear somebody else call me a filmmaker, um, to, to be counted amongst those people. I I mean, I, I, I just, I, I feel privileged to hear that, Mm. you know, and, and that drives me. It's like, this is what I want to be. And when I, when I like something, when I'm passionate about something, I go at it a hundred, I go at it, you know, a thousand percent, like, you know, full speed. The other thing is I really believe in the mission that, that I feel like I've, I've been given to, to, in this world, you know, that not only is it to love people, but it's also to create a safe, accessible filmmaking experience for people. And, and what I mean by that is um, I've, I've heard stories mm-hmm. from people about ex- experiences they've had in pursuing uh, film or just pursuing movies in general. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm really bothered. That there are people out there who have literally had to choose between taking their clothes off and having a career. Or maintain their dignity, not being exploited and not having a career. Um, there, there are a lot of young women out there who have had to make that choice. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm disgusted by that and I'm bothered by that. And I want to change that. Mm-hmm. You know, any, any person that comes to, to Dawn Journey, I want them known for who they are and the talent they have and for who they are as a human being. Um, so I, that's that's a really big thing on my heart is I want I want a safe environment for people. I want a place that fosters creativity. I want a place that helps you grow not only in your career but as a, as a person as well. And I want to give you the opportunity to to help the next generation of filmmaker out there. You know, so I really want to be a positive change, and that drives me, man. And more and more, I feel like um, I, I am a man of faith. I, I, I more and more feel like God just brings these people or you know into my life or, or brings situations to my life that show me it's like this is why I've put you here. I've put you here, not for you. Not for your glory, but for mine and and you accomplish that by blessing these people by helping these people by loving these people because so many, like I said earlier, there's so many people out there who just feel terribly alone Mm. and are hurting and I really have a heart for those people and um. That's one of the things that's so beautiful about the horror community, you know. Like if you if let's look, let's we're talking about Joe Bob again. Yeah, you yeah. talk about <laughs> yeah. no, no, it's it's all good, it's all good. Um, yeah. You, you talk you talk about the Last Driving Community. They're a very tight knit group when you watch them, and I think the reason for that is, and 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 I hope this doesn't sound the wrong way, but it's just a fact. The horror community tends to be comprised of the people who were the outcasts in high school, the people who weren't popular. That's not not across the board, but that tends to be the vast majority of people in that community. What's so beautiful about the horror community, because it's full of those people, they're incredibly welcoming and incredibly kind to everyone. You walk into the horror community, you're met with open arms. Hey, we're happy to have you here. And these are people who have really, really, really... Um they have a very deep capacity for loving human beings. and I think a lot of that's because these are people who come from abused backgrounds. These are people who feel emotions extremely strongly. and because of that, they have a very deep capacity to love others. And the horror community is just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful place to be accepted you you know here's a place where i can come in and i can just be me you know whether it's i want to dress like michael myers i want to be a zombie i want to like it's just a wonderful thing and so i just ha- i really have a heart for those people and and it really doesn't matter where you're from you know whether you know whether you're artistic or not whether you like sports or not or whether you just like one particular movie those people will welcome you with open arms and it's beautiful um you
0: know, that, James, I actually that, forgot where I was going. <laughs> no, no. That's a, but what you said there is a very interesting point because I found that the first time I ever went to a sci fi convention, I was astounded mm-hmm. how I'd never been to conventions. And I was yeah. a, it was a Star Trek when I was like, wow, everyone's so welcoming and opening, you know, open to people and talking to people. Yeah. Um, the, the question I was asking is how you keep basically, all the, the, how you keep positive and keep going yeah. with all the different hats you've got to wear. And from the way you're describing it to me, I would look at it this way. Please correct me if I'm wrong. The the drive for you is, is seeing the success of others. And that's, I would no. think that's probably what keeps you going. No. Um, no? Well, seeing others succeed, yes. I, yes. I misunderstood what you said.
1: I apologize. That's one thing. But I think even more than that is I know that there are a lot of people out there that need to be reached mm-hmm. and told that they're loved. You know, if you follow me on Facebook, um, every, I've started doing something recently. Every morning – I post a word of encouragement to everyone, no matter how much I know you, you know, whether or not you're an acquaintance, Facebook friend, or you're a close personal thing, you know, it doesn't matter where you're at in my life in terms of how much I know you. This applies very much to you. I I, I like to post an encouragement to people. I just started this week, actually a word of encouragement to people. And I make sure I want to remind you that you're loved and that your life matters. Um, yes. And and I, and I post a, a picture of animals hugging each other. Um, and and that and that is a small way I'm trying to reach those people. I want I just I want because man I've been there, you know mm-hmm. I I I I have you know just just to be vulnerable to the audience you know I, I every day I live with extreme obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, if you go to my TikTok, you I, I actually have a couple of videos on there where I show what my hands looked like at one point they were cracking and bleeding from washing them so much and it's it's de- it's debilitating at times.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it makes life difficult and. Um, I have been in my past in a place where I used to self harm. I, you know, if you look at my left arm, I, I have burns on my left arm from cigarettes where I used to put cigarettes on my arm because I was hurting so bad. And I've, I've been in those dark places mm-hmm. and they're, they're ugly mm-hmm. and you can literally be surrounded by. I've always had a really good family and a good support system, but I still felt so alone and it's very strange how you can be surrounded by love, but feel unloved and feel alone. Yeah. And I know that there are so many people out there that I apologize. No, I, it's I know Okay. there's so many people out there who are hurting like that. And I just want those people to know that I love you and that you're loved. And, um, I just I just want to I want to bless people, man. I want to reach people, and that's what keeps me going. You know, I feel like I have a mission. It's like you're here, and I don't know if it's just the film community. I don't know what, but, but man, I'm trying to reach as many as I can. It's like I just I just believe so deeply that I have this mission to create something that's going to change the world and change the lives uh, of, 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 of as many people as I can reach for the better and 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 just give and and just make film more accessible and encourage people you know that's i think that's what my really my big drive is like i have this mission
0: well you have started it and you are doing it and that is a very noble wonderful thing you're doing and it leads on perfectly uh to my question which was going to be about the films you're working on at the moment yeah so i saw a trailer uh to the the film you're on uh i hope to gotta pronounce this right trepidity yeah okay yeah trepidity that's it yeah um hey i got it right i'm impressed but the the i saw the teaser I yeah let it. me that yeah trepidity
1: is, is awesome man i uh, let me let me yeah let me let me talk to you a little bit about AcroStar films um mm-hmm. so acrostar was started by a guy named steve herman who is a, a friend of mine um and we we became friends through through trepidity actually um that that's To to give a little more context to what I'm about to say, independent film, I don't know for sure if it's always been this way, but independent film is very – it's becoming very tribal. Uh, And by that I mean you're starting to see little studios pop up that are comprised of a director, a producer, and a bunch of actors. And they're making their own stuff. They're putting out content. It's just the same, you know, and it's, it's an original, original concepts, but they just, they just happen to have the same actors. And, and I think it's wonderful. And these, so these families are forming. I mean, it's very familial. It's exactly what George Miro did actually. Um, So uh, I'm trying to think. Anne reached out. So Anne Myrna is the producer for Ackerstar. And I think the way it went down, because it's been a while, I believe that she reached she added me to the Trupidity group because she, they were doing an Indiegogo, and I just, for whatever reason, kind of connected with these people, and I, I, you know, became an, an assistant producer on the project, and then I became friends with Steve. What did it for me though is I actually had, and Steve and a lot of the cast of Trupidity on my podcast, and I fell in love with those people. They are, I just, I just, love them. Mm-hmm. I love them, and St- Steve's very fond of them too. He'll tell you, like, I mean, they're, they're, they're his family. I mm-hmm. consider them family at this point. They're just the, the loveliest group of people and they're all very kind and, and they'll, you know, they, they'll go out of their way to, to do anything in the world for you. They're just a wonderful group of people. um, And so I got to see an advanced scurrying. I was like, yeah, this is great, man. Like I saw a rough cut of it. It was fantastic. It was a fantastic film. Um, and I got to have them on the podcast. I just got to get involved. Um, and it's, it's been really cool to sit back and, and watch the level of success that Steve is achieving. Mm-hmm. Um, he's and he's very much, in a lot of ways, who I'm trying to become. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done an amazing amount of work, and he's accomplished a lot of amazing things in a year. And he's built this wonderful company. He's built this wonderful group of people that I, I, I'm very privileged to be a part of. And what's interesting is um, Steve and I are actually co-writing a movie right now. Um, it's called It came from. Yeah, so it's called it came from somewhere, and man, it is a ton of fun <laughs> writing this script. I can't tell you a lot about it. What I can say is it's very much a it's 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 an ode to the '50s sci-fi B movies. Okay, and we are taking it very seriously. We're showing a lot of respect to that that Corman-esque way of making movies. Like we're 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 paying a, a proper tribute to this. Um, I don't think in my entire career I'll ever write a script as, uh, unique or as, um, fun to write as this one, because I mean, it's, uh, we've gotten to where we actually, when when we we get on zoom and, and write, we, we spend a lot, a lot of time laughing because it's just, it's, it's, it's just, it's just so much fun. It's a great script. Um, so that's, uh, uh, I don't know what I can give away, but that's that's coming soon. I'll say okay. that.
0: I'll do your deal, then. I'll ask this. I'll ask this of you. Sure. If you can't give me a lot of stuff now, can I both get you on nearer the time to discuss? Yeah, I'll see if I can get Steve. Yeah. I would love to have you we'll both on like to learn more about the process and what's happened. because you as soon, well, as soon as you said like 50s B-movie stuff, the, the light bulb of my head goes on. because I love stuff like that. I absolutely oh, yeah. love it.
1: And and this this is going to be a proper this is going to be believe me when I tell you, like, uh, I'm very much on board with Steve's vision of this. And he has taken he's taken painstaking steps to do this properly and to to make a true love letter to to that type of film. And, And, you know, it's funny when he announced that that was really early on in our friendship and. I fell in love with the concept of he did this little trailer with like, you know, it was black and white, you know, the, you know, the, the, the horror font would pop across, you know, it came from somewhere. The yeah, little UFO, yeah, yeah. And I fell in love with it. I was just raving about it. And so one day he just randomly reaches out to me. He says, um, it's <laughs> like, Hey man, uh, how would you like to be a part of it came from somewhere? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. What do you need from me? I'm there. He's like, well, why don't you co-write it with me? What? You know? Yeah. And, and it's like, Wow! I'm yeah, oh, Done, done, man. So, um, so that's that's one of the I, I've I've got my hands on a number of things. You know, I um, I got to uh, I got to help uh, um, I got to be a, a an assistant producer on uh or associate. Producer. There's so many different producer types. I I'm, I was an associate producer on Craving.
0: Um, I wanted to ask you about that. because yeah. that seemed a very interesting. Because there's a like a, a drug addict leaning on that one, isn't there? They're involved with that. Sound. <laughs>
1: This movie I am really hoping is going to be Jason's pulp fiction and I'm hoping mm-hmm. it's going to be people know who Jason is but I'm hoping it's going to bring him to the Tarantino level. It's a, it's a very unique story, it's a very uh, it's it's just it's a good it's a good story. I've I've gotten to connect with the majority of the cast and they are all wonderful people. You know, Robert Bravo is the guy that's doing the, the the special effects, and he's really incredibly talented. Um, it's it, I actually met Jason. I haven't met Jason in person, but I've talked with him. Uh, he I, I connected with him through a mutual friend, and I had him on the podcast. I I love Jason Horton as, as a human mm-hmm. being. Um, he has. This is one of those people. That just understands things on a deeper level than most. And he has such a big heart and he has such a good heart that he doesn't keep it to himself. He just gives it right back out. He's got a YouTube channel uh, called Jay Horton and he does all these videos talking about filmmaking. And it's a friend, but he's, he's, an, he's a gifted, gifted, gifted teacher. He's so good at teaching these things. And he talks about everything the budgeting, the, the film. I mean, he, you pick a topic, that's what he's talking about. And he's so generous with his time and he's so generous with his knowledge. He said something to me on our podcast that I'll never forget. Mm-hmm. He made the statement and, and, and I've adopted this myself. He made the statement, a selfish filmmaker is an unsuccessful filmmaker. Pause on that for just a second. Let that sink in. He's onto something there. and And I have found man that when you're invested in other people, they they p- other people come to you, you know, there's no need to be selfish in all this. Um, there's a really cool movement happening in the Knoxville film community right now. Uh, I'm gonna give a shout out to somebody. It's got him Tony Coddle and Tony uh, is uh, he's a local producer. He's actually working for a company now called Promotion LLC uh, run by a guy named James Gilley. Shout out to James Gilly as well. Um, Tony. And silk coats art. A lot of people know who silk coats art is. He's a phenomenal actor. I got to meet him for the first time a couple weeks ago. And man, that guy, like he is such a nice person. Like, I can't begin to tell you his energy, his, you can tell he loves people and he loves the, the film community. And he wants everybody doing it. Like what a wonderful man he is. Uh, I was so, I was just really vibing with him, man. I'm going to have him on the podcast soon. um, Tony created this mixer and he's created this uh, thing on Facebook called the film community, but he, I, but he, he puts the highlight on unity and his heart is, is the heart that, that I have. He, we're all on the same team. We're all, you know, there's this, this unneeded competition amongst people to, you know, you, you it's, it's just not needed. We're, we're a family of artists that want to do the same thing. Let's help each other, man. Let's pull our resources and make movies, you know, hey, I need a camera guy. Well, hey, talk to you know, talk to Don and and see see what he's doing. Like, you know, that's what. It's, and Tony has, has worked for several years trying to build this, and he's done an amazing job, and um and just this community continues to grow and grow and grow. But it's all about taking the competition out of it and just making it about the unity of it, and 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 getting people to realize that we're all on the same team and we all have a common goal and we can all help each other reach that goal. You
0: know? Well, there are two things that resonated with me on that, that that you said, which is that, well, you've said it throughout. You're getting to meet people that Mm. you, the work in the industry and, and I'm getting it with you now. And I've had it with other people in the past, which is you meet them and are thinking, God, they're actually nice people. Thank God the nice people. And the other thing is the way that you mentioned this about the way people treat other people, the way, uh, you know, filmmakers, studios, etc. But you hear it with actors, because unfortunately a lot of the time you hear the story of actor is not nice to fan, etc. And I remember listening to Hugh interview that Kevin Smith did <coughs> with Mark Hamill, and they both said the same thing, which is these are the people who make you, the fans. Don't be an ass to them, basically. and it's very true and touch wood for me so far I've kind of had a similar experience to you which is I've met none of the people I've met have let me down and it's a a very refreshing thing they've always been very nice kind people who've given the time to talk to you and been interested in discussing things with you and I'm going to take us right to the thing that I'm going to be really honest with you on the poster alone blew my socks off I want to know about what, what, well, what you can tell me about blood repentance. Cause the poster alone, seriously, no BS. I do not BS people. The poster, I was like, this looks very, and very interesting. Wow. This idea, the, the, the thing of the whole, the hook. And I am not BSing the hook of, I'm like, so let me get it straight. The, they're looking for the friend and, the, and then it's the, the whole cemetery thing. And I was like, <laughs> wow yeah you got me dude the poster as well the whole thing drew me in if you if you don't know what i'm talking about people you're missing out get on imdb and look for brian
1: wow man that's uh i'm, I'm really thank you for for wow that's uh not lost wow yeah thank you thank you for saying that let me let me start with the poster um so that poster was actually created by matt will my friend um matt has a heart of gold. And I love that man. I, 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 love that man. He is such an amazing human being. He's got a podcast called the grindcast. Uh, definitely. Check it out. it's hilarious. Um, Matt is one of those people that he cares more about the success of others than he does himself. And I can't begin to tell you how much I owe Matt. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm I, I love, I love that man. He's my brother. Mm. I would do anything in the world for that man. And he's an incredibly gifted graphic designer. Actually, uh, not only did Matt design the poster for blunderpins, he designed the poster for trepidity. Those are both his posters. Um, So if you ever, if you ever anybody out there making a movie, if you need a poster at a reasonable cost, and I mean reasonable, reach out to Matt. Uh, He's, he's incredibly patient. He's incredibly kind and he'll get it right for you. Um, That was actually the third or four uh that was the third iteration the first two i'm like okay you're 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 near it and then he sent me that one i was like make the water red and that's it and and you know and then and then he added the text to that font that he used it's uh man i could not i could not ask for a better a better
0: poster i mean i I, and and it's it's, it works but it works perfectly because straight away i was like that gets my attention that really I did. It really grabs your attention,
1: James. What I feel right now, this is why I want everybody to make a movie. I, it's so f- flattering is not the right word. I, I I can't. Every time I have someone reach out to me on Facebook, and they just want to be in my movie. I, I it breaks my heart to have to tell them that i'm fully gassed i wish i wish i had the budget to just like continue to expand this cast because there are several people out there who have wanted to be mm-hmm. in this movie and they and they very badly want to be in it and i hate that i can't cast them every time that happens every time somebody says something like what you just said i, I, I like i don't even know what to say it's just like holy crap like this little <laughs> this little thing i'm working on man like people are you know like they're like wow this looks amazing i i I, I don't know how I've gotten here. Like I do, I can tell you the story and I can tell you what I've done, to you, but it's like, but when you, when you sit and, and take stock of everything as a whole, it's incredibly humbling. And you're like, how am I sitting here right now on a podcast talking about my movie?
0: Um, well, tell, tell, tell you what brand, tell me a bit of the story then. Cause you said you can tell them the story you go there. I want to know that story. The list. Well, know that yeah. story. yeah. So here's the problem. Uh,
1: I pack so much stuff into a 20 minute film that I, I can't say a whole lot. I can give you a very okay. general idea, but I'm, I'm actually going to make it worse for you. And, I, and I'm glad I'm going to do it. Cause it's kind of fun <laughs> to do that's people. Um, <laughs> I, uh, so it's, it's about four friends who mm-hmm. work in a paranormal investigation company. they the fifth friend has disappeared and one of them gets them all together. And, employers like we've got to go find so-and-so we you know we've got to go find this person and uh all hell breaks loose and it's uh there are a lot of twists in this movie a lot uh like Shamalan would be upset at me I put so many twists in this movie I mean like they oh, I say there's a lot there are some big twists and they're big and my ultimate goal is I want people extremely uncomfortable watching this movie um it's not uh there's some gore in it um It's not, and and when I say uncomfortable, there are some things that happen. It's not gross-out type stuff. It's just the 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 subject matter. Like this is very much a story about loss and 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 redemption. Um, If I pull this off and I do this right, redemption is going to be the biggest the biggest message there, Um, because I I think I think redemption is really important. yeah, it's hard. It's tough because I want to tell people more about the story. But literally to do that, I'm giving away twists well, like that much happens in 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, man, off air, uh, I'll share with you some stuff. OK,
0: you know. we can we can have a chat off air because I'm yeah. desperate to know. I'm going to ask you one: What what has been the the biggest challenge of making so far? Because are you still, are you still filming? Have I got that right? Yeah, uh, yeah we yeah. we have a, we have about three more production days. Uh, so
1: so making it as a filmmaker, or making it as a as a, just in this movie, making making the movie itself. Let's go with both hats. Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Well, we'll start. Well, since we're talking about Blairpens, we'll start there. Um, mm-hmm. the the biggest challenge, uh, for this particular project has been scheduling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're all, I work a full-time job. My team works a full-time job. My actors work full-time jobs. So it's, it's, it's tough at times in COVID. Um, you know, we were supposed to film some more a couple weeks ago and there was a COVID exposure that happened uh, to one of my team members. So we, you know, had to play it safe and call it off. And, mm-hmm. um, I would say really the biggest challenge has been, uh, just trying to, trying to get the schedules right. You know, cause everybody has different schedules, but you make it work. You know, yes. and you just you, you film when you can. I mean, it's taken longer. But one of the one of the benefits of doing a no budget film one of the benefits of doing an independent film is I, I'm not beholden to anyone on a deadline. So, you know, we can st- we, you know, we can. And, it, and this has been a learning process for everyone. I mean, this has been the greatest piece of advice you'll ever get from any filmmaker. And, and, and I believe this is to get out there and do it. I heard that from Harrison Smith. I believe I heard that from Hilton and John Carpenter himself says it. Get out there and make something, and that's what I did. I was in film school for twelve hours, <laughs> no joke, twelve hours. It was amazing. It was it was an awesome feeling. Then it fell through and I, it broke my heart. Like, well, I've got
0: I still got to do this, you know. So hey, book book. That's sort of what happened with Kevin Smith. Look at him. So yeah. Yeah,
1: you just got to get out there and do it. And and you know one of the biggest challenges of doing it is like, how do I do it? Because I had nothing. I had an iPhone and that was it. And I I didn't have the money to invest in things. And this is where the networking and this is where the film community is so important. There are so many people out there that are every bit as passionate about film as you are and they want to make things. And it's sort of this symbiotic relationship because everyone benefits in some way from it. um, To... It's 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 weird because like when you when you're doing a no budget project, you're not paying your actors. Well, I am going to run and, and I, I, I this will be the first podcast I mentioned I'm going to do an Indiegogo that, that's in the future. and I have some really cool things we're going to do. Um, and I, I'll make that uh, this. You'll be the first show I announce that on. Um, I've, I've been really humbled by the willingness of people to sacrifice because the one currency you can never get back in this life is your time. And. Corey. Brittany Donovan Scott Tess honey um uh you know H- Hannah like all, I, I've had so many people sacrifice uh Joey the arm that <laughs> there's a there's a joke behind that um one, one of our guys Joey he's a uh, um his arm kept showing up in a shot. So uh, Donovan suggested that we start calling him Joey, the arm and it just kind of stuck, you know? So we're, we're actually about in the credits doing like his name with just like an arm, <laughs> the, the arm emoji. Um, but these, these people have given me the greatest gift somebody can give you and it's their time. And they're, every bit as passionate about the project as I have. And, I, and I'll tell you something, folks, I don't care how talented you are. I don't care how good of a director you are. You are nothing without your team. Steven Spielberg himself cannot make a film alone. He has to have a team of people behind him, and that that is your lifeblood. That is what it's all about. It's not about you. It's about your team, and they are your family. And you need to treat them like your family. Mm. You know, um, I, I very badly want to pay every one of these people, and and that's probably going to be the biggest reason I do the I have you know the Indiegogo. I want to I want to premiere in a theater. Uh, I want to do a red carpet event party. I want to really just do it up which may sound ridiculous for a short film, but I don't care. I'm going all out. Um, but the other thing I want to do is I want to pay my actors and I want to pay my crew mm-hmm. because they deserve it. Um, they've been just champions and they've given me the greatest gift that I've probably one of the greatest gifts I've ever gotten. And that's the, the privilege to make a movie. And I and, and it's because of them that it's happening, not because of me, but because of them. Um, but scheduling, scheduling's hard, you know, but, mm-hmm. but the, that, that goes into one of the, the greatest skill you can ever have as a director. There, there are two really important things that every director needs to have. Number one, um, you need to be able to be MacGyver. And by that, I mean you need to be adaptable because as a director, you're a leader. And leadership is about humility and service. It's not about being in charge. It's about humility and service. By uh, just, I don't know, by by proxy or by consequence people look to you for what to do but your job at the end of the day is serving your audience it's serving your crew and your cast um and it's really important how you conduct yourself because there, when things go wrong and they will go wrong i mean I, the first week we were supposed to shoot i lost two actors one of them was my lead uh, one of my leads but i, I was able to, to to recast and this person brought something really incredible to the part and the script rewrite we did to to fit the change made the script even better. And uh and and this person is now uh, a, a member of of my team, uh, my company, and and um she's a uh, a producer and and I mean she's amazing. It's a, it's Onyx Miller, you know she's fantastic. Um this girl is an incredibly talented actress, but she's also an incredibly talented producer. She's an incredibly talented human being in general, and she's awesome. And I'm so lucky to have her on the team. People look in those times when things go wrong and they will go wrong, your people, your team are looking to you to see how to react. And if they see you fall apart, if they see you come unglued or even get angry, they lose faith in you. Mm. What they need to see, what they want to see and what you should show is that, okay, I can be cool in the moment. And let me think about this for a minute and we'll figure out a solution. And what they need to see from your answers, they need to see a, a a person who is able to adapt and overcome. And that's a trait of a good leader in my opinion. Now that's not to say you have to be a robot. You can't have emotions, but have, have one person that you go to with your negative emotions, get them out and let only that person see them and then move on. Don't, don't, let it get you down. You know, I, I think some people probably give up because of the challenges, but that's part of the filmmaking process, you know, like, like things are going to go wrong and it can be very frustrating at times. Have your person there, you know, for, for me, that person for me is Scott. Scott, uh, was the second person to become a part of Don's journey. And he's one of my best friends. Now and um, you know so if i if i'm feeling negative if i'm feeling upset or angry i go to scott and i get those emotions out and he talks me through it and then i move on i mean and that's it and then you just find a solution you know sure you don't have to be a robot but it's important how you conduct yourself around your team it's important what you let people see you know and just and man you know you're making a movie that's that's what you can't lose sight of at the end of the day no matter how frustrating it gets no matter how whatever negative emotion you want to pick you're making a movie you're making a movie like don't ever forget that you're making a movie and at some point that challenge is going to be overcome and then one day you're going to be on set and you're going to be behind the camera and it's magic. And it's like it's almost like a, I would compare it to like um, I don't know if I should use this this simile or not, but you know, you 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 hear you hear about women who, who give birth mm-hmm. and you hear about how extremely painful it is and then when that child is born and they're holding in their arms for the first time, all of those hours and days of pain immediately disappear. They're just gone. And I would I I I, I feel weird using that as, as as a metaphor or assembly, but I, I would say it's probably the principles the same. You know, it's 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 just it make believe it or not, those challenges are what make it more magical and set because here you are, you're finally. It's like going on a long road trip, and you you know you got to it's like, okay, the hours and the hours and the hours and you go. And then finally you're at the grand Canyon. It's like, wow. You know, it's it, the challenges make it better. The other thing that you need to be able to do, you need to be a people person. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah.
0: And Definitely. to
1: elaborate on, to elaborate on that, I, I, I like to, uh, John Carpenter, I, I heard an interview with him. I think it was actually on, I think it was a Mick Garris interview. And John said, um, that with his actors, he is to them whatever it is they need um and he and, and and the illustration he used he said you know i might have an actor that needs a father figure so i'm a father figure to that person i might have somebody that needs to, needs me to be a complete jerk to them and i'll be a complete jerk if i need to be you know he adapts himself to his people to get the performances that that he needs for mm-hmm. for the project um it's extremely important that you be able to uh get along with people. You also need to be humble and teachable um and be willing to listen and collaborate. Um you know I'll admit that when I first started this, when I first started writing pins I was extremely guarded about that script. And I didn't want, and, and I'm ashamed to admit this, but it's true, I didn't want any other name on that script but mine.
0: Well that that to be fair makes sense. I completely understand that because that's your baby. That's your creation. And yeah. you you will want to have a, a level of control over it. Um, yeah. But obviously what you're saying, and it's probably a lesson a lot of us need to learn in life, is that you need to open yourself up to other people. Not not give yes. it all away. Not obviously just like, oh, hey, it's all yours. You know, Run with it. <clears throat> steal my copyright. But uh, <laughs> this thing of the more people you can bring in because it's something I once something – it's a very influential thing that I heard somebody say for for myself, which is don't be don't think you've got all the answers. Build a team. I mean, it's something I I bring bring in like with ton, my, old, my father's retired now, but he was the chief executive, and he said, you build a good team around you. Basically, you, you know, you people this you have the people who can answer the questions you can't answer, and you've got to be able to trust them to bring out like, to get you the best possible results. Yeah, and. Yeah, to me, that's very true in life I'm sitting, in general.
1: I am sitting in this chair talking to you today because of other people. Yeah. Because of my publicist and because of my team. Mm-hmm. Other, You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger gave a commencement uh, speech um, a number of years ago. I don't know how long ago it was. But he said that there's no such thing as a self-made man. And that is true. so true. Every person alive right now that is extremely successful is successful because somebody took a chance on them and they were and they were surrounded by people who believed in them. And they may not be there. They had at least one other person. I mean, like somebody took a chance on them, Somebody believed in them. You know, there you there is no there's no such thing as a self-made man. I'm here. I'm where I'm at right now. Not because of some great talent that I have. It's two things. I, I believe God has opened a lot of doors for me and I have a good team. I am nothing without my team. I want to stress that I'm nothing without my team. And that's the lesson I learned on this journey. You know, I may write a screenplay by myself, but one of the first things I'm going to do is I'm going to get other people, get them to read it and help me improve it. Mm. I learned that man writing with a team is where it's at. Not only is it more fun, but you just get a better product. You other people have great ideas too. And they can really bring something. And, and now, I mean, like, if you look at the script for Blunderpins, there's like eight names on it. And I don't care because every one of those people made it a better movie. And I'm glad to have had them be a part of it, big or small. Um, I'm all about writing with a team. Uh, it's it's just, it's great. And, and then to write the screenplay and and to do that first table read, it's, uh I, I will, I'll give you another little thing about the movie there's a really great dynamic between two characters that I, I are hope I'm hopefully going to be filming this, this part of the film in a couple weeks. And, Oh, I cannot wait to see it's, it's just like, there are certain parts in this script that we're probably going to have to do like 13 or 14 takes because they make me laugh every single time. Um, one of these characters, the way he is, is just really, uh, and you'll you'll see when you when you see the film, mm-hmm. um, and I'll tell you more about it after after a few Oh few yeah, mm-hmm. but like, um, it's just uh, the and and what makes the performances even better is the two characters, the 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 real life people, Donovan and Scott actually have a history, <laughs> so <laughs> like there's so a little bit of that comes out, and it's not a bad thing. It's just um, but a little a little bit of that comes out too, and it's just it's just so fun. It's it's just hilarious, um, but. You're you're nothing without your team. So write, writing with a team is extremely important. But being able to to collaborate and listen to your people, that's that's such an essential skill. Um, you know, when the night we were filming with Honey, and mm-hmm. Corey Davison, who who uh, plays one of the parts in the film, he's he's a really wonderful Knoxville actor. I I love Corey. He's family to me now. I hope to do a lot more stuff with him in the future, but you know, just having him as a friend is is an amazing. He's just an amazing guy. And there was one scene in particular we were filming. And he said, he said, Brian, what if, what if I, you know, stopped and and looked like this, and you know, and he just kind of did something. I'm like, yeah, go with it, man. And and it was great. It was it was fantastic. And you know, when you're on set with me, you'll hear people, you know, and people worry about like usurping the director, you know, or like overstepping. It's like, no, man. What I what I say to that is. If you're really worried about that, just say, "Hey, I've got an idea. You know, do you mind? You know, can I bounce off? Like, I'm going to say, absolutely, and we're probably going to use it because you, everyone has something really unique and special they can bring to a project. They really do, and it, and it, I think ultimately it leads to a, a better product. I think it's going to lead to a, a better movie, you know. And and if I if I were someone that was just completely closed off. And objected to everything I heard. and was like, no, I got a vision, and that's what we're doing. I just don't think my movie would be nearly as good as it will be, you know, assuming that it's good. I'm going
0: to (laughs) try. Well, I think it's going to be brilliant, and I've got to say that it's a beautiful – that's a really – and I will give you some insight why I think your attitude is absolutely brilliant and beautiful about listening to other people because I've worked for people who don't do that, and they have been some of the worst people I've ever worked for in my life. 'Cause it's all about them. It's the ego, it's them, it's them, it's not the the group around them and it leads to failure. So my next question is gonna be blood repentance, when are we looking at it coming out? What's the, hoping... the the release the the uh, the estimated I was gonna say ETA, but that's ETA well, I guess estimated time of arrival might work, but when's the estimated release date? I want to have
1: it in the can by November. Um, I'd, I'd like to premiere it in November. Um, and it's gonna, my, my, my ultimate goal, I want to put it, you know, unfortunately, because it's a short film, let me say this, I, I've had a couple of ideas, uh, you know, with the Indiegogo, there are a couple things and I'll go ahead and touch on that. Don't, don't let me forget about the, the, um, my, my brain does this all the time. So I might forget what okay. your original question was, um, with the Indiegogo, I, I, one of my initial goals is I want to make $10,000. Um, and I want to, I want that to sort of offset some of the production costs, but I want to pay my people as well. I want to use that money to, um, get the move, get the movie in theaters, um, maybe do some more marketing, um, and, and just hit the festival circuit with, that's going to help pay for festivals. But the vast majority of that will go to my actors and, and my crew because they, they deserve it. Um, if, if we can hit $10,000 and I, 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 Somewhat regret saying this, but I said it to my team, and I'm going to stick by it. If we can make $10,000 on this Indiegogo, I'm going to let my team actually get the camera, start filming, and they're going to shave my beard off.
0: Wow. Now, again, that is a mighty manly beard, so that's quite yeah. a thing. That's yeah. gonna be That's the behind-the-scenes stuff that you don't expect, is it? But, yeah, that – hey, Brian, that's a good one. I like it. That's real dedication. So – I
1: want to pay the, my people.
0: Is the Indiegogo up yet? No, it's not up
1: yet. Right. We're, we're, we we got
0: to get – When it happens, tell me. But, yeah, come on, salty tadpoles. As much as it pains me, because I love Brian, I have serious beard envy. we we got to get help Brian get the money. we got to – if he has to sacrifice the beard, sacrifices have to be made. So, come on. So, if we get it, we'll get the details for it. We'll get it up. Yeah. I mean, I don't want you to lose the – It's weird. It sounds almost like, you know, sort of like, you know – Two face flip, flipping of the kind thing we made for Batman. But it's like, you know, Pammy doesn't want you to lose the big, but part of me really wants you to lose the big for a good cause. I want to, I want to pay my people, man. Mm-hmm. They,
1: they deserve it. I can't brag on my team enough. I, I just really can't begin to stress to people and to filmmakers out there how important your team is and how much your success depends on them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to pay these people and I want to do great things with this movie and, and I want to inspire. And, you know, it's uh I'm just I'm trying to do something a little bit crazy, I guess. You know, like wh- one of the things that, I, that I'm doing with Don Journey, you know, wh- I mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, my company mm-hmm. has values. I'm not making explicitly Christian films. Let me, let me be clear mm-hmm. about that. You know, my movies are going to be as violent as Tarantino films uh, at times. Um, I've got Gore in this movie. Um, and by the way, it's really cool to be posting things on Facebook. Like, I just bought Carol syrup, chocolate, uh, cocoa or cocoa powder, and red food coloring. What am I making? You know, like it's really neat to be able to like post that on Facebook and people start chiming like, oh, that's you're, you're making fake blood. It's like, yes, I am. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like it's just such a, I kind of stole that from, from, uh, Jason and Robert. You know, they were, they were posting things like that, their, their little grocery, special things grocery list. They are posting them on Facebook. I'm like, I want to get in on that. I'm going to post about it too. Um, oh gosh what was i saying james
0: oh, the films you, you were talking about the films you were making you were saying you were happy for them to have violent but I, i'm assuming what you're going yes. to say you want yes. to have a, a a positive message maybe within them.
1: yes so the values there there are a couple things that that dawn journey will never have in in, in a film um and people are going to think i'm insane for doing this but i have i'm, I'm trying to prove a point and there's a reason mm-hmm. i'm doing it um i have a very person i have a very deep conviction about uh three things, but two for sure. Uh, two things you will never see in a, in a movie that Dawn journey puts out will be sex and nudity. Um, profanity is a third one. I, that one, I'm a little less I, I, profanity offends people, you know? Um, so I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm right now. My conviction is no profanity because I still think you can make something really amazing without it, but for sure the, the, the sex and nudity I'll, I'll never mm-hmm. have in films. And, and, um, the reason for that, I mean, outside, even outside my personal conviction, is they're so. I've heard these stories of these women who want to be in the movies, yeah. and they're they're literally being say, "Well, take your clothes off and you got a career," and that's disgusting. And I don't want that. And so I want I want these people to succeed without having to exploit themselves. So that's so so if if so if you were to come to me with a project, say I want to make this project, and I've I've had I've had people say no to me. Um, yeah. you know, I've, I've had scripts offered, you know, it's like, Hey, what do you think of this? And I'm like, well, I need to cut out the cursing, you know? And they're like, well, can't do it. I'm like, oh, I totally understand. Because here's the thing. I, I respect the sanctity of a script. Um, you know, when you write a screenplay, it is a deeply personal thing. This is your, as you said earlier, it's your baby. Mm. I don't like the idea. I mean, like, it's so common in this industry, you option off a screenplay or you sell a screenplay, it immediately gets rewritten. I don't like that. You know, that, that's that's blood, sweat, and tears, and hours and hours of time somebody putting in something. I respect that, and I want to respect, that's art, and I respect art, but I cannot budge on these things, and so if a person is willing to to work within those those three things, we're going to make your movie, you mm-hmm. know, and, and it's really ultimately for the greater good, because films are still shown in film schools today, and there are films that are still considered classics that didn't have those things in them, you know? I mean like all the universal monster films are considered classics. They didn't have those things in them. Castle Blanket didn't have those things in them. Psycho, you know I mean? Like there's so just you, there are, there are all these movies for decades. Major film studios made these amazing films that did not have these things in them. I don't think it adds anything to the story. Mm -hmm. And I think all it does is exploit people, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and it's, it's led, it's led to nothing but exploitation. So I want to try to stop that. Um, so yeah, so that's that's so when I say my company has values, that that's that, those are the values you have to kind of fit within. We were talking about uh, we're talking about the Indiegogo, the ETA. Going back to the ETA, like I said, my brain goes all over the place. I'm sorry. It's all right, it's um, all good. It's all so good. I want to have the I want to have the film in the can by November. I mean I'm like edited everything and, and ready to go. Um and and I'm hoping we can raise enough money to pay for the theater premiere, the red carpet event. And you know the the uh, the film festivals. I want to get in as many film festivals as I can. Somebody asked me last night, you know, what why the film festivals? You know, and I think because I, I want I want the film to get seen. You know, I, I want I want all that hard work to get seen. And it's just cool. I mean, like you know, who wouldn't want to do film festivals? I mean, it's, that's 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 just that's just really cool. You know, so. Um, but yeah, November. I'm gonna say hopefully November, December at the
0: latest. Well, I I will keep everything that I possibly can cross for you on that one. So I'm going to ask you a few interesting, uh, different questions, if that's all right, Brian, uh, before we kind of get to wrapping things up. So I want to know what is the, because everyone asks the obvious question, which is, you know, what's your favorite film? I want to know what film you've seen that's been the biggest letdown for you. Oh, man, that's a great question you know, where you've gone in and you'd be like, this is going to be great. And then you've been like almost asleep watching it.
1: That's harder to answer as a filmmaker because you, you get this, uh, you, 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 get a, you know, some people say f- becoming a filmmaker is ruined films for them. It's actually giving me a deeper appreciation for it because you, you, I've never made a big Hollywood blockbuster, but I have I have a, a better understanding of the amount of work that goes into making something. So it's like my my perspective's changed a little bit. The most disappointing movie I cannot remember the name of it, and this was back in um this was probably back in the mid 2000s. It was like a mm-hmm. like a Viking movie or something. It was uh, I can't remember, and I remember like you know the previews looked it had these really cool trailers and like you see the guy like crawling through mud and. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it's probably good that I can't remember the name of it because I don't want to insult I, – I don't want to insult that filmmaker at all uh, or, or, or those people. But mm-hmm. um, I, I, I actually did fall asleep to that film. It just – it something it just didn't click for me. Uh, it, it just didn't click. I'm trying to think of this one I can think of by by name that, that didn't sit with me. Um, yes. Uh, okay. So <laughs> I love the show Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And, uh, you know, it's a little special thing, Matt and I have. Matt makes reference to that occasionally in his podcast. I'm like, oh, I got that Aqua Teen reference. I love that show. And when they were doing the movie film for theaters, you know, Aqua Teen Hunger Force movie film for theaters, I was so excited to go see this. And I actually went and saw that in Hot Fuzz in the same day. I was so incredibly disappointed by that movie. I, uh, it just I don't know it just wasn't it wasn't good it, it was bad it just it just wasn't as I I, I love Aquatine Hunger Force and I was yeah. I just was disappointed by it I I couldn't tell you why in particular I think the the story wasn't paced well and I I don't think it's a property that translates well into a feature length something you know mm-hmm. I mean you 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 know you spent X number of years uh, f- I think five years at that point you know watching these little you know 13 minute shorts essentially and then to suddenly turn into like an hour and a half movie it i just don't think it translated well so i would actually say the biggest movie disappointment unfortunately was the aqua t Force movie
0: mm. for me it was um it was a film called mutant chronicles which I, it's quite a long time ago now but i went into it with other people who wanted to see it i didn't really know anything about it and it, i literally was close to sleep wow it, it just did not work for me um Whereas the others came out and they were like, yeah, that was great. And I'm like, really? Did we see the same film? Uh, but my next question is probably going to be a bit trickier, which is if you could have made any film, anything at all in the, in the history of previous films, what would you like to have, to have, to have put your stamp on to be able to make? So it could be a pre-existing film mm-hmm. or it could be. Any sort of type of film you want to make, which I know is tricky because you obviously make a <laughs> film at the moment. Uh, I, I, have,
1: I, have, I have one that exists and one that doesn't. I'll give you two answers to that. Mm-hmm. Um, one one film is Dawn of the Dead. It, the original Night 7, Dawn of the Dead, in any capacity, uh, if I could have been a part of that film. I've had a really unique opportunity – I saw this movie for the first time like 23 years ago. Okay. And and to this day, it's my favorite film. I I mean, I have, I own multiple versions of it, you know, like, like releases of it, you know, uh, I I love that movie and it has been really crazy to me. I hear people criticize social media. I've actually, I love Facebook because it's such a great networking tool. Mm -hmm. It is what you make of it. And I've been able to connect with, with people through social media, that I never in my wildest dreams thought I would talk to, you know, not only did I connect with Scott Reiniger, you know, I interviewed the guy and I got to tell him the story about how that movie changed my life. And, you know, I mean, it, it, Dawn of the dead has such an influence on me. that like Dawn journey productions. It's called Dawn journey productions because there was a journey I had to take to see the movie. And I could tell you the story at some point, if you want me to, and actually I have it right here. So I watched a documentary about Dawn of the dead and I remember they were talking about someone named Jeannie Jeffries and, you know, so she, she did makeup effects with, with Tom Savini on uh night Riders, on Dawn of the dead. You know, she's, she's had a very amazing career and never imagined I'd ever, you know, connect with Jeannie Jeffries on any, any stretch. And I actually found Jeannie Jeffries on Facebook and she's a Facebook friend and I've had several conversations with her and she's one of the sweetest, kindest, nicest human beings you'll ever meet. And she actually wrote a book. Um, she loves animals. Loves animals. This woman is awesome. And she wrote a book about a, a, a raccoon she had. It's called Indie Bear. And, it, and it's about a raccoon that she had. I I I consider her a friend. I mean, I, I can call Jeannie Jeffries a friend. I've Mike Ankus is a producer on Blood Repentance. He's a phenomenal filmmaker, really gifted filmmaker. But he's also my friend. I had him on the. I, mm-hmm. I ran across Mike on Facebook through the comments. Actually, he had commented on something. I didn't know who Mike was, and then he. There was a, a Day of the Dead uh, group that I follow, and he was talking about his experiences being a zombie on Day of the Dead. I said, "Holy smokes, I need to get this guy on my podcast and talk to him." And so I reached out to him. He accepted my friend request, and we. And he's just become a friend. And Mike, Mike, when I tell you that I have been blessed by so many people, I am not kidding when I say that, Mike. Is so kind and so wonderful. I was in need of equipment, and this man literally—he's not only a producer on my project—he sent me a box in the mail. It had a camera, four lenses, a task cam for sound, uh, bags, cleaning cloths, batteries, chargers. Oh goodness, he sent me so much stuff, and I'm going to leave something out. So I texted him. And I said, uh, you know, Mike, I got the, I got the box. Thank you so much. This is going to help us tremendously because now I'm not, I'm not shooting on my phone because I was ready to shoot with my iPhone. I actually have it here too. I've got, so this right here is a, a 1.33 anamorphic lens for the iPhone, and it's made to, to go. I don't know if you can see that or not. Yeah, I can, yeah, yeah. It's made to be used in conjunction with what's called a beast cage. Um, there's a company called Beast Grip out there, and they make a product called Beast Grip, and it's like a, like a universal mount for your phone that you can actually mount your phone to a tripod. It's got, you know, built-in cold shoe, uh, built-in cold shoe mount, So you can put a mic on there. Um, and here's the, here's the, the beast grip. And this is, this is where the, the lenses go right here. And th- these are interchangeable. So you can actually use like real camera lenses with this. Um, so I was ready to shoot with my phone, you know, and which you can make something amazing. If you get Filmic Pro on your phone, you can shoot 24 frames per second, 48 shutter speed. You can make a, a, a cinematic looking film. But, you know, when you're shooting with your personal phone, I mean, you have space in it. So I was going to constantly have to dump footage onto my my Mac and it was going to be a pain. So Mike sent me all this equipment. I texted him like, thank you so much. This is going to help me tremendously. Two minutes later, he calls me and he's got his wife with him. And uh, uh, he's like, you know, hey, you know, hey, man, I got Brenda here with me. And he said, uh, you might want to make us producer on this couple of your projects. I just want you to know, like, we're giving that to you this this man out of the kindness of his heart and because he loves film so much and and wants to see people make films so much he he gave me all this equipment like thousands of dollars of equipment he just gave it to me and that's a good what you, guy
0: what do you even say to that man well what can you say i mean yeah you you, you it's just a, it is the lovely proof that there are nice people in this world yeah. it is it is the lovely proof of it cuz i can be far too cynical i think sometimes The conversation you and I have had today has been life affirming for that on your things that you've told me for yourself to just think, yeah, there are still some. I'm so glad
1: there are a lot of people out there who want to help and and they don't be afraid to ask for help. Be careful you ask for help. I'll say that. But don't be afraid to ask for help. And I promise you that there are people out there who want to make a movie just as badly as you do. And they'll they'll stand right next to you. And and that's and, and that's really the key to success, man, is just being able to connect with people. The people are what are going to make your movie. The people are people are going to, you know, you're talking about the fans. They're they're what make you successful, you know, because with, without without other people, we truly are, you know, we we have an intrinsic value. But when it comes to filmmaking, when it comes when it comes to succeeding in this industry, whatever that is exactly, that ultimately is a result of other people, no matter how talented you are.
0: Well, I cannot think of a better. Point to end on on that. Apart from the wonderful comment made there, I would say, Brian, just tell us very quickly. We will post it up with some other stuff for sure. other information. But where where can uh, people get in contact with you? Where are they best looking?
1: The the number one place to, to find me uh, is Facebook. Um, I I was told recently that I, I I every time I mention my Facebook, I joke about this because it's, it's pretty funny actually and it's true. Um, I was told recently by someone that I look like a young Francis Ford Coppola. So I did a side by side, and it's dead on. Like I, I look like it. a young friend. I, I mean, see down, it. down to yeah. my glasses. Um, so look for a guy with a big beard sitting behind a camera, very intently. Um, but uh, yeah, so Facebook. Brian Parkerson is my full name. You can find me on Facebook. You know, if uh, if if you do send me a random message, uh, if you don't mind, in in your initial message, please tell. If you say hello, just like hello, how are you? Every scam message I get starts out that way, so I'm less inclined to even respond to you. So if you do send me a message, please feel free to reach out to me. Let me know, hey, I heard you on the podcast, you know, really want to connect with you, or you know, I have a question about filmmaking. Mention what it is you you, you need early on, so I know that you're not a scammer. I'd appreciate that um, because you get a lot of scam messages from people. So I'm really active on Facebook. I do have a Twitter account. It's at bp4christ. I, I'm on Twitter in spurts. Like every now and then, I get like the Twitter bug, and I'll get on there for about a month and I'll, you know, go at it hardcore, and then I kind of just fall away from it. I, my Dawn Journey Productions, we have, uh, we do have a Twitter page. We have uh, Instagram, which is severely lacking right now. I need to step it up and get on the Instagram and do some stuff. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, uh, Dawn Journey Productions. There is a blood repentance Facebook group. I have to make sure to get you on that, James, if you're not. Yeah, that's that's I'm, I'm always posting stuff all the time there. But fa- Facebook, if you want to connect with me one to one, Facebook is where to find me for sure.
0: Thank you so much for this, for doing this with me, Brian. And oh, me,
1: man, it's a privilege. I'm, just, I'm so thrilled.
0: All I'm going to say is this, that for for people who've listened to this, you'll notice that I don't speak much. And normally I'm Gabby, Gabby, Gabby. This is how good you are, Brian, that you you've had me on. Just the edge of my seat listening. It's oh. been brilliant. And I'm hoping we can have you have you on again once you've got really you know, blood repentance done. Anything else you want to talk about I would love to have you on again. So without further to do, ado, I can never remember which one it is. I would say we've been talking of celluloid Codswall for this episode. So as ever, I've been James. This has been Brian. I don't have a hat, but I take you off and extend a massive thanks to you, Brian. Thank you Thank so, you. so much. It's been an honor,
1: man. It's been a privilege.